Thank you for taking the time to listen to this audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center. Our prayer is that you'll be encouraged and blessed by the anointed Word of God. If you'd like more information about Apostolic Worship Center and its ministries, visit our website at www.awcnorman.com. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Borders preached from Revelation chapter 2. He talked about renewed love. And some of you only got to hear it once. I got to hear it four times as I sat through each service and then watched the video back again to make sure all the cameras were working the way they were supposed to. But it set me on a path of reading through Revelation again. It convicted me every time that I, I, I listened to it and watched it. And so this, this message may not deviate too much from what he preached a couple of weeks ago, just to be real transparent and honest with you. In fact, it's another of the letters to the churches in Asia. And I was drawn to it and feel that God would have us to go here today. Revelation chapter 3, verse number 1. says that, And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Draw your attention to verse number 4. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Not for lack of creativity or trying to come up with a clever title, but just because this is what feels right. I want to draw my title from those three words in verse number four. Just even in Sardis. Even in Sardis. Would you set your Bible down and lift your voice one more time? I feel the Holy Ghost in this room today. God's going to meet us in a special way here in just a few moments again. And I want us to be ready for that. Would you lift up your hands and voice and would you pray, God, have your way in this place. God, we pray and we declare, God, your strength in this room right now. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our lives. Prepare us, O God, for your word. Let us receive it with gladness. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. One more time, could you clap your hands unto the Lord? Praise Him for His presence in this place and for what He's about to do in our hearts. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for your power in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated today. Now, Sardis in antiquity was one of the great cities of Asia Minor. As the capital of Lydia, Sardis achieved fame and wealth. And that fame and wealth can be attributed to its location that was ideal for trade and commerce and to its abundant source of water and mineral-bearing uh, properties that begin to come through there and flow through there. Most notably was a legendary gold-bearing stream that flowed straight through the middle of the land. In fact, the Greek 
historian Herodotus tells us that the Lydians were the first people to mint coins. That it was a standard of making sure that the gold was accurate and all weighed the same. It was also a military center for it was located on an almost inaccessible plateau. The Lydian Empire surrendered to Alexander the Great under following the Persian rule before coming under Roman rule in 133 B.C. Yet with even some notable defeats such as that under their belt, Sardis somehow maintained its arrogance and thought that they were something special. Thought that they had something that was too be desired. It's no wonder that John writing the word that God gives him in this revelation would say of Sardis in Revelation 3 and 1, I know thy works, that thou hast a name, and thou livest. He said, I've seen what you've done. I see what you're known for. You have a name because of all that. You are a city that is alive with hustle and bustle and activity. Traders and caravans laden with riches and of, of every description must have passed through Sardis. And so it is with little wonder that the Lydians required an international taste. That they had desire for things that could be found abroad. They were alive with business. Hustle and bustle of a large city. Captains of industry known for military Positioning, And as I begin to read and study about Sardis and what it was like and what that city of old began to be like, I could not help but see the United States of America in this city. For it is with no doubt that we can say that the USA has a name. That it is a major player on the world stage. That it is alive with industry and with com and commerce. But the inverse that was true of Sardis is also true of us. Because he didn't stop there in verse number 1. He said, Thou hast a name, and thou livest, and art dead. He said, You think you've got it all together. You think that you are successful. But you are dead. Kind of like Jesus when He was talking about the Pharisees. He said, you're whitewashed tombs. On the outside, you've got it all together. But inside, you are full of dead men's bones. He said, I see a city that is full of dead men's bones. And as we look at the United States of America and even here in Norman and in Oklahoma, I believe we could say that the true, the same is true of where we live today. And the death of our nation and our world seems to have been only magnified over the course of the last few months. For while we were at ease, who knew that such wickedness as we have seen and read about over even in just the last few days would resurface in America? We we can say that we're alive, but where there is abundant immorality, there will always be death. We can say that we're alive, but where men and women are judged by the color of their skin or by the uniform that they wear, there will always be death. We can say that we're alive, but when church doors are being shuttered and we cannot maintain a relationship with God on our own, there will always be death. So I believe that the Lord has sent me here today with a holy mandate to send a wake-up cry for the church in Norman, Oklahoma. Don't be lulled into thinking that that everything's going to be okay if we just ignore it long enough. Don't be lulled into thinking that the life will all get back to normal if we'll just hide in our 
houses and hide in our homes and abandon our prayer closets and abandon our times of prayer and worship and gathering together. Come on, somebody, you can't get so caught up in your ease that you fail to realize that we must watch and pray. We gotta watch, watch and pray. That's what he tells him in verse number two. He said, Be watchful, be watchful, and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. Now, notice the way that the Lord seems to imply in his instruction here when he tells them to be watchful. It implies to me that this must not have been their normal state. They had failed to watch. They had failed to be observant. They had gotten so caught up with life and they had been at ease. He tells him in verse number 3 that if therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief and thou shalt not know at what hour I will come upon thee. He said you've grown complacent, Sardis. You've grown at ease in your life, comfortable with your possessions and you've failed to watch for me. You have failed to prepare yourself for my coming. You're like the virgins who didn't have the oil ready and you've been shut out and you've been locked out because the Son of Man will come in an hour that you think not. As we read uh, these words that are written to the church of Sardis, there are no words of commendation to the believers there. There are to the other churches. He commends them for being good at this or good at that or you've done well at this. He said, but he doesn't give Sardis any of those words, nor did he point out, like he did for some of the other churches, that there were doctrinal problems that required uh, required correction. Either is there mention of opposition or persecution. He did that with the other churches, but he didn't tell Sardis any of these things. He just said, you've grown comfortable and content with living within your past reputation. You have gloried in your past splendor and you have ignored the present decay that is in your life and what they did have. He said it's about to die. What you do possess is about to die. Why? Because they were distracted. Sardis was so easily distracted. Twice in their long history, the citadel as Sardis had been captured and each time it was because the centuries had failed to fulfill their role dutifully. They had got distracted and when they were supposed to be watching from the tower, they had looked the other way. When they were supposed to be paying attention, the army had climbed what they thought was a wall that nobody could scale. The armies climbed over it twice. Not just once, but twice because the centuries refused to watch. In fact, Herodotus tells us that, they, that the Lydians had a dreadful famine. And when this famine came upon the land, to forget their hunger, they invented dice and all sorts of different kinds of games. But Herodotus continues and he says this. He says, the way they used these inventions to help them endure their hunger was to eat and play on alternate days. One day playing so continuously that they had no time to think of food and eating and the next without playing at all. So one day they played games and one day they ate 
And one day they played games. And one day they ate. And in playing their games, they forgot about their hunger. I come today in the Holy Ghost to tell somebody, we've been playing games for too long. And it's caused us to forget our hunger. We've been playing games with church. We've been playing games with God. And it's caused us to forget the hunger that drew us to God in the first place. It's caused us to ignore the hunger pains and that tends inside of us that draws us to prayer, that draws us to fasting, that draws us to His Word. It has been secluded and it's been replaced with Netflix and it's been replaced. You guys, don't worry. I'm just going to preach to myself. Where's that selfie mode at? All right, I got got it in selfie mode now. I'm just going to preach to me because you guys don't need to hear this today. Now listen to me. Listen to me right now. You've been replacing hunger and the emptiness that is inside of you with other things. You've been trying to fill the void with books and games and movies and you've been trying to fill the void that is in you that God has been using to draw you into His presence. You've been using it for something else. But today, you got to know, quit playing. We gotta quit playing the games. We gotta let that hunger draw us. We gotta let that hunger pull us into His presence. Too many are playing games with God and our hunger for the things of the kingdom is waning. Maybe you've been on one of those extended fasts. When we have a three-day fast, it's so hard when you don't have to go to work to fast. It's so hard when you just have to sit at a desk. It's so hard when you can't busy yourself with something else. And you know you've done it just like me. You go to the store and you buy something just so you can get out of the house and you can do something to ignore the hunger pains. We've done the same thing and our hunger for the things of God. We've let that hunger be replaced and try to satisfy it with the things of this world but hear me today hear this 34 year old preacher on this June of 2020 we can't afford to be distracted by the games anymore we can't afford to not keep our eyes open and be vigilant for the coming of the Lord we can't afford to get caught up in the cares of this world and ignore the hunger that is drawing us to him that's why Jesus Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 13, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. You don't know if he's going to come on the day you're playing games or where you're satisfying your hunger. You don't know when he's coming. Paul tells the church in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 4, But ye brethren are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are the children of the light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as to others but let us watch and let us be sober it's not time to sleep it's not time to lay back in ease and in slumber but it's time to lift our eyes to the hills I wish somebody had a hunger today that you just throw your hands up to heaven and you say God I'm ready I'm watching come on let's just do that for a moment right now somebody needs to stir up that hunger in you Somebody needs to stir up that hunger in you that's kept you from the things of God. You've been satisfying it with too many other things. But today the Lord says, watch. 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 Verse number four. 
Revelation 3, he says, thou hast a few names. Even in Sardis. He said, even in a world that is at comfort and ease. Even in a world that's distracted by games. Even in a world not hungering after the things of God. He said, I found a few. I found a few that are faithful. Even in the midst of a fickle city. Even in the midst of a sleeping church. They've remained pure. And they've remained vigilant. Notice to the other churches. There, there was praise followed by a rebuke. He'd say, well you've done good at this. But nevertheless... You need to work on this. But in Sardis, there was the opposite. There was a rebuke followed by, well, there are a few that are faithful. And they're watching. And they're being vigilant. He says in verse 2 of Revelation 3, Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God, he said, there are some things that remain. There are some things that I see that are still there. And so what I need you to do is I need you to watch and strengthen that which remains. So how do we do that? How do we strengthen that few that remain? How do we open our eyes and remain ever vigilant? He lays out the plan for us in Revelation 3 and 3. When he says, remember, therefore, what thou hast received and heard. Remember. Remember that you've seen too much. And you've heard too much. And you've been taught too much truth to ignore the fact that there's power in this. Remember everything that you've been taught. Remember every Sunday service that you've sat through. And the power of God was real and tangible. Remember every moment that you opened up the Word of God and He spoke so clearly and distinctly to you. He said, if you can recall that to your mind, it's going to strengthen some things in you. It's going to build up some things in you. It's going to call some things to come into your life and you're going to stand up and realize that I've received the power of the Holy Ghost and I've heard the truth preached and I'm going to let it come back to my mind. And I'm going to stand upon that truth. And I'm going to stand upon that power. Remember the power that you've experienced. He says, he goes on, remember therefore how thou hast received and heard. And hold fast. He said, not only do you re got to remember, but you got to remain. You just get a hold of this thing. And you say, I'm not letting go of anything. Hear me today in the Holy Ghost. Now is not the time to abandon ship. Now is not the time to jump overboard. But now is the time to run over to the lifeboats and cut them loose. And say, I'm not going to need those because I'm holding fast. I'm remaining in this thing. In the highs, in the lows. When I feel it, when I don't. When I know beyond the 
settle the doubt that is with me. And when I'm not so sure, I still hold true to this. I hold true to the power of the Word of God. I hold Somebody ought to lean over to your neighbor six foot from you and say, remain in this. Now's not the time to get out. Even though the getting may look good. Even though the getting may look like it now. now It's now or never. Now's not the time to get out. Now's not the time to run away. But now's the time to get in with everything you've got. To live for God harder than you've ever lived for God. To honor Him with everything that you have inside of you. And say, I'm going to remain. I'm not running from this. I'm not getting out of this. But I remember something that was taught. I remember the Holy Ghost. The day it hit me in June, July of 1998. And it all came ground in Mustang, Oklahoma that they say I can't go to this year. But it doesn't matter because I still remember it. I'm going to remain with that same power that fell on me in that campground when I begin to speak with other tongues for the very first time. I'm going to remember. I'm going to remain. And then he tells him in verse 3, and repent. Now this ain't the shouting one. This ain't the one we get too excited about. In fact, I was trying to think this morning, I was... As I was getting ready and praying, it came to me. I can't remember who said it. Somebody preached it at some point. I'd give them credit if I, if I knew who it was, but I don't remember. I said, you know what? Repentance is the most forgotten part of the plan of salvation. We don't think about repentance much. Now, we celebrate when we put them in the water. And we stand around and we clap and we shout and we hoop and we hold. And when somebody gets the Holy Ghost, hold on. Get out of the way because we're about to dance all over the place when somebody gets the Holy Ghost. But we don't celebrate when people repent. And the Word says that unless they repent, they can't receive the Holy Ghost. Unless we repent, we can't even have access to the rest of this. Except we repent. He said... Remember that thou hast received and heard. Hold fast, remain, and repent. Say, God, I'm sorry that I've been at ease. I'm sorry, God, that I've not been faithful. I'm sorry I've not been vigilant and watching. I'm sorry that I've allowed the enemy to stale the citadel, God. I, I'm sorry that I've allowed them to climb up the tower. But Peter told the Peter, uh, people told Peter, Peter told the people. Peter Piper picked a pack of pickled peppers. Peter told the people that had gathered around him in Acts chapter 3 and verse number 19. Repent, therefore, and be converted. That your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. He said, you want to know how to strengthen that which remains? You repent. He said, he said Dallas, I know that those people aren't perfect. I know that they've got sin stains. I know that darkness has crept in on them. He said, but when I look now, I see a people who are clothed in white. 
and they're ready to walk with me. How in the world is simply because they repented? He says in Revelation 3 and 4, Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. They weren't perfect. They didn't do all the right things. They just repented and they had their sins blotted out. He said, I bet if they'll blot out their sins, then I will blot out their name from the book of life. I will not blot out their name, but I will confess His name before my Father and before His angels. It wasn't that there were a few perfect people. It was just that people even in Sardis that acknowledged we need God in our life. It wasn't that they'd never grown cold or distracted. It wasn't that they, they had never messed up. It wasn't that they'd ever failed to watch. It was simply that they had figured out how to strengthen that which remains. Go on to Revelation 7. John's still in heaven in his vision. He says in Revelation 7 and 13, one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? He said, There's people walking through heaven wearing spotless white robes. Where did they come from? Because I don't know how anybody could have a robe that that's that is that clean and he John said unto him sir you knowest and he said to me these are they which came out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb so look at me today I'm not perfect yes I failed yes my, my robes were sin stained and blotted but I came to the lamb of God and I repented of my sins and he said I'll wash you white as snow because if I remain faithful even in Sardis my name shall remain in that book and it will not be it will not be blotted out will you stand with me all across the building today Understand, there's a threefold promise we find in Revelation 3 and 4. There's a threefold promise that is there in that verse when he says that thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments. They shall walk. That's the first promise. They're going to walk in life, and they're going to walk in liberty. They're going to walk without fetter and chain. They're going to walk without bound. Bonds and worries and doubts and fears. They're going to walk in liberty. But he goes on. For they shall walk with me. If you open your Bible, those letters are in red. He said they shall walk with me. In other words, they shall have Christ as a constant companion. If they'll repent of their sins, and they'll remain vigilant and watchful, he said they're going to walk with Christ. And thirdly, they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. That third promise, they're going to live in incorruptible glory. 
because they walked with God. They were faithful. They're going to find a land on the other side where they don't have to beat themselves up over the head every day, Clay. <laughs> say, you idiot. Why'd you do that? Why'd you say that? <laughs> you know God was trying to draw you to his word. <laughs> Why'd you go to the iPad? <laughs> you know God was trying to draw you at a time in prayer. Why'd you go busy yourself somewhere else? I'm not worthy. He said, hang on just a moment. If you'll repent and you'll watch. He said, I'm going to bring you to a place of incorruptible glory. A place where you may not know it, but you're worthy. Because he thought you were worth saving. And thought you were worth dying for. So can I say it like this today? That even in Norman... Even in America, even at the church at AWC, Apostolic Worship Center, there are those that remain faithful. No, there's no perfect people here. In fact, we don't even let them in the door because they don't show up. There's no perfect people here. But there's a few. If you look around the room today, you'll find a few. I said, God, I'm sorry. I lost my hunger for you. God, I'm sorry. I wasn't watching. I wasn't ready. Forgive me, God. You do what you want to do right now. You can kneel in your pew. You can come to this altar. You can do whatever you feel like doing. I have nothing else to say. God, I need you, God. Forgive me, Lord. I've grown cold. I've grown distant from you, Lord. Come on, let this place become an altar today. Let this place become an altar of repentance today. If you're here and you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus, washing away of those garments, the washing away of that flesh, there's water here today. We'd be glad to baptize you. But I think we need to spend a few moments right now. Just call it out to the Lord. Saying, God, forgive me. I'll watch. I'll pray. I'll fall on my knees before you, Lord. You have been listening to an audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center located in Norman, Oklahoma. We are located at 3221 North Porter Avenue, Norman, Oklahoma, 73071. Our service times are Sunday at 10 o'clock a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m. And we also have various ministries happening on Wednesday night. For more information, visit our website, www.awcnorman.com. 
can call us at 405-329-1285 or email us at info at awcnorman.com. We hope that this recording has been a blessing to you.